I know it only took 48 episodes, but I finally have the good laptop. <laughs> I, I snagged it from my son. The one that I bought myself last year for Christmas that he has taken over. and He's commandeered. Yeah. So, oh, like, man. it's time. Give it back. Welcome to the Greatest List Podcast, a show about music and lists. This season, your hosts, Jason and Eric, are counting down the top 50 movie soundtrack songs from the 80s. Think your favorite made the list? Tune in and find out. Take it away, boys. Welcome back to Greatest Lists, a podcast counting down the greatest songs of all time. Your hosts and musical scientists working on an expired grant from a local <laughs> university are myself, Jason Gross, and my co-host, Eric Vardaman. How you what's, doing, man? What's going on? How's that collection of uh, spores, molds, and funguses working out? You know, it's not as large as I thought it would be at this point, but, uh, you know, I'm still working on it. Okay. Well, as long as it's still growing. <laughs> gr- gr- growing. Growing. Oh, wah, wah. <laughs> All right. Well, we <laughs> we are continuing our season one list of the top 50 movie soundtrack songs of the 80s. But uh, before we continue, thanks to our friends at the Retro Network, mainly, who have been listening along and entered our guess our top 10 giveaway we will give you our next to last leaderboard update at the end of the show so stay tuned for that guys our next selection though takes us back to 1984 coming in at the runner-up position on the top 50 soundtrack songs from the 80s our second selection from the ghostbusters franchise of course at number two it is ghostbusters by ray parker jr by the numbers. So Ghostbusters debuted at number 68 on the Billboard Hot 100 charts on June 16, 1984, about a week after the movie debuted. Two months later, after holding the number two position for two weeks, it finally shot down those crying doves from Prince <laughs> and held the number one spot for three weeks. Tina Turner then asked, what's love, what's love got to do with the Ghostbusters? <laughs> And sent them back to the firehouse. So, a uh, little look at the top 40 there. Uh, Ghostbusters was also a number one hit in Belgium, Canada, France, South Africa, and Spain. Top five in nine other countries. Wow. So, a worldwide hit. Now, get this. About the time the song hit number one, the song was certified gold, August 7th. Eight days later, on August 15th, the album, the soundtrack album, went gold. That's 500,000 copies, people. Wow. Then eight days after that, on August 23rd, the album went platinum. <laughs> so in eight, days, in eight days, you went from 500,000 copies to a million. Man. And, and maybe there were some, you know, extenuating circumstances in there, but, you know, they released worldwide. I don't know what that count was. I guess it had to be U.S., to be uh, platinum yeah, and gold, yeah, but it had to be U.S. That's just insane to me. It hits number one and it goes platinum like two weeks later. That's crazy. So that song was everywhere, though. I mean, yes, yes, the logo as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everything you could put a logo on, it was on. So uh, the story of the song goes that uh, several artists were approached to write and perform the song before we actually got to Ray Parker. Lindsey Buckingham 
has stated that he was approached to write the Ghostbusters theme based on his successful contribution to Harold Ramis's National Lampoon's Vacation, of course, Holiday Road. He turned down the opportunity as he did not want to be known as a soundtrack artist. Okay, was that the right move there, Lindsay? Mm. <laughs> Huey Lewis was also approached to do the song, but rejected it due to his involvement with another soundtrack. Of course, Back oh. to the Future. Uh, we'll come back to uh, Huey in just a minute. Uh, Glenn Hughes and Pat Thrall also submitted a demo that was ultimately rejected. The Hughes and Thrall version was later rewritten and used as the track Dance or Die for the 1987 <laughs> film Dragnet. You can actually hear the demo on yeah. SoundCloud. It, it, it surfaced earlier this year, and I listened to it. It's pretty fun. So finally, we're up to Ray Parker Jr. He was approached by the film's producers to write the theme, although he only had a few days to do so, and director Ivan Reitman insisted the film's title be in the lyrics. So uh, he he took the challenge, and while watching television late at night, Parker saw a cheap commercial for a local business that reminded him that the film had a similar commercial in it, and that inspired him to write the song as a pseudo-advertising jingle that the business could have commissioned as a promotion. So that, that was his, uh, his approach. Now, in an interview... For, with uh, George Cole, Parker said, it sounds easy now because you've heard the song, but if somebody told you to write a song <laughs> with the word Ghostbusters in it, it's pretty difficult. That was the hard part, getting the title in the song. And Parker added that he got his girlfriend and her friends to shout the title for the chorus since he didn't want to sing it. And that's something you may not realize. He never says Ghostbusters during yep. the song. It's yep. always... The girls That's he says so funny. he says busting and he he talks about ghosts but he doesn't yeah. ever say ghostbusters so in the uh 2016 documentary hired gun parker jr said to this day people ask me are you tired of hearing people say who are you gonna call well no it's like I, am i tired of holding the best lotto ticket or the best thing to ever happen <laughs> no unquote so See, that's the that's the best attitude to have about it right there and i, I mean, can't you know 84 so it's kind of that early part of the the movie music combination especially yeah. with mtv so i can see maybe somebody you know thumbing their nose at being just a soundtrack artist yeah but knowing what we know now it's like what were you thinking yeah you know <laughs> but I mean, he has the right attitude about it i remember uh, in an interview right before he died, Janie Lane from Warrants that he wished he mm -hmm. never wrote Cherry Pie. I'm like, I'm yeah, gonna write Cherry on. Pie every freaking day of my life. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, back to Ghostbusters. Fun fact: Martin Page played keyboards on this song, and Brian Fairweather played guitar on this track. Uh, they had just come over from England and had some success with their group Q Feel. I never heard of this before, mm -hmm. but you might recognize Martin Page's name. He had some great success writing in the 80s first. He co-wrote We Built the City and These Dreams. Oh, nice. And then in the 90s, he co-wrote Go West's singles, King of Wishful Thinking and oh, Faithful, which man. I really, I love that album, that Go West album, man. Indian Summer. Yeah. It's very good. Uh, and then he himself released a solo album called In the House of Stone and Light, 
which you might have heard that title track before. Yeah, it was I've a top 20 hit in the 90s, mid 90s. So he uh, played keyboards on the song. Now back to Huey Lewis. So after the song came out, Huey Lewis sued Ray Parker for plagiarizing the melody to his song, I Want a New Drug on Ghostbusters. They settled out of court and agreed not to talk about the case in public. But in 2001, Huey uh, revealed that Parker paid to settle the suit on an episode of VH1's Behind the Music. So then Parker countersued Huey Lewis for violating the terms of their agreement. So there's this whole thing in the early 2000s. Yeah, that, uh, you know, who stole what? Well, we can't talk about it. How much did you make from it? You know, anyway, I, I read somewhere that the song they estimate generated another $20 million for the movie. So I don't know if that was <laughs> how much of that went over to Huey, but had you ever thought before we get into our, our personal history song, had you ever even thought that Ghostbusters sounded like I want a new drug, like in, in the eighties or nineties kind of era? No, it never once crossed my mind that the, hey, this sounds like Huey Lewis until I saw that story. And I was like, ah, eh. Okay, I can hear it. Right. It, it does sound like that, but I never thought that before. I don't think anybody else did either. No, and it's just the baseline. So yeah. if you pay it, for me, I had never made the correlation before. And if you pay attention to the baseline, okay, yeah, it's got the same baseline. And there's a, a mashup out there on YouTube you can go find that's like, uh, I want a new drug times or versus ghostbusters yeah i've heard and they they intermix the lyrics so you can hear the similarities you know in the song so i don't know that the the baseline is like uh i've heard michael jackson's billy jean he stole that baseline from holland oats so yeah he even told them he did right right so i don't know it's just just huey being a jerk it, it seems kind of petty to as me if, as if Huey wasn't making enough song. money off of that yeah. album already he had to go yeah. sue Ray Parker Try, Jr. trying to write a song Ghostbusters like he said yeah. how hard was that and then to <laughs> kind of pull the uh, carpet out from under him you know God. I don't know whatever let's get personal all right so at some point after the movie was released my mom bought the 45 single for me uh, probably in that surge in August after it hit gold and platinum, oh, whatever yeah. I was saying, you know, mm-hmm. I spun that thing so many times, man. <laughs> the one specific memory I have is of my eighth birthday party in November of 1984. So uh, I remember mom, she set up uh, this circle of chairs in our living room to play musical chairs with my friends for the party, the birthday nice. party. Yeah. Did I uh, participate? No. That would have been selfish thing to do. Instead, I was the DJ, and what song <laughs> did I pick? I picked Ghostbusters, of course. Yeah. So imagine me, I'm I'm spinning the record on our stereo and lifting the needle, you know, whenever t- <laughs> it was time for the participants to sit down. And that memory I will never forget. And probably why I can't listen to this why I can listen to the song year round over and over. Yeah. It's like I said, with the power of love. The louder I play Ghostbusters, the clearer that memory is in my brain yeah. oh, of playing musical chairs in our living room and, and lifting the needle. Yeah, I get I mean, that. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. What a memory. It's so just ingrained in my thoughts every time I hear the song. Nice. Another personal thing about the song that I remember experiencing when it came out was the music video 
of course. We didn't have a VCR in our house until the early 90s, so I was either begging the parents to rent one with the movie or, you know, you wait for it to come out on TV. And, you know, only our neighbors had HBO, so it was rare to see a movie outside of going back to the theater. Right. So the music video to Ghostbusters gave me some of the movie, and then, you know, you get all these wonderful cameos, too, that are built in, and and boy, are they random. (laughs) But... You know, I just think back in the day in the early 80s when uh, home video was not prominent and trying to consume movies again, you turn to record albums that had the story, you know, with them or uh, you you bought the Viewmaster reels. Oh, man. You know, things like that, that that was the only way we could consume these. And then when MTV came along and they started playing and these, these music videos that were just tied to the movies, it was like watching the movie again. You get a little five-minute <laughs> five version right. of the movie you want to see over and over again. Right. So I just love the music video and the cameo. It was like, you know, uh, a friend of mine, we, we did a podcast back. It was like, he said, uh, we're filming in New York. Who's in town? Let's let's see who's you know, uh, Danny DeVito. Okay, he's probably got an apartment there. You got Melissa Gilbert. She was probably on some <laughs> talk show. Peter Falk was shooting Col- a Columbo movie down the street. You know, and some <laughs> SNL people, Al Franken. You know, but I don't know. It was, <laughs> it was funny just to see them and and that house setup. I love that little house that they use. And that damn neon phone. Man, I wanted one of those. <laughs> that he picks up. Awesome. I think she picks up. You know. Yeah. Who are you going to call? And, oh, I love the music. <laughs> what are your thoughts, memories on uh, Ghostbusters? Um, well, I, I, I saw the movie in the theater, like most of these movies. I saw it in the theater um, multiple times. But like you, I mean, I wasn't made of money. So <laughs> it was hard to, to keep going back to the movies, you know. Especially, you know, in the summertime, it was easier to see movies over and over because I was mowing lawns and I had money. But when right. you don't have a job <laughs> in the off season, you don't have a job and money's a little tight. And so I think I saw this in the movie in theater a couple of times. Mm-hmm. But I was like you, I had to rely on other ways to ingest the movie, uh, you know, multiple times. And I remember, right. I remember uh, a friend of mine uh, had a oddly enough a birthday party and it, but they rented this movie uh-huh, uh-huh. and we watched it multiple times like back to back to back <laughs> that night we, he, he had a like a slumber party we all stayed over and we watched it back to back to back that's what you did when you rented a movie back in the day yeah you, you had to you got your money on repeat worth. right yeah, yeah you get your, your money's worth. worth yeah but um yeah i i, I love this movie i love this song it was just it's it's an earworm and, totally. And I remember everywhere after this song came out, people just everywhere saying, who are you going to call? I mean, it was just a, it was a catchphrase. It became yep. it became a uh, just a cultural, what do you call that? A touch, a touch point, touchstone mm-hmm. just, that became, you know, and no matter who asked who you're going to call or who or no matter why they asked who you're going to call, people always said Ghostbusters. Yeah. I mean, that was just that's just the, you know, that's just part of our culture now where they lived in a cave yeah there was no (laughs) there was no uh, middle ground yeah i mean i I remember stupid things like i'd be at a friend's house and i mean this is years later 
And they pick up the phone and, and somebody would go, well, who are you going to call? And literally somebody in the room would say, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters I mean, it was just, yeah, yeah it's just, yeah. that's just part of our, it's part of our <laughs> history. That's how, that's how uh, ingrained this movie is in our, uh, I guess, you know, our childhood, our, our yeah. teenagehood. So, uh, you know, I, I don't have a, like a personal story like you did, but I just, it was everywhere and it was, I loved it. And I think I, this is one of the, this is one of the uh, singles that I recorded off of the radio, you know, trying to <laughs> nice. get it, trying to get it, you know, cause I didn't buy the whole, I don't, I don't, I don't remember ever owning the entire soundtrack, but I, you know, trying to get the whole song without the DJ talking on either end. So I would have yeah. a copy of it. So, Oh yeah. I've, I was there in, in those days. I remember trying to do that with, not with this song, but yeah. later in the eighties. Oh yeah. But yeah, this, this movie is one of my all-time favorites, easily top three, maybe my top movie all time. I, I mean, I, I watch times. it whenever it's on. I mean, it, it yeah. you know, it gets bought by some channel every couple of months, and they show it over and over. You know, AMC shows it five right. times a week, or somebody shows it, and uh, <laughs> my wife is literally tired of me watching Ghostbusters because whenever <laughs> it's on, I'll watch it. Yeah, and it was later. I, I, in the CD era, when I finally got the whole soundtrack, and I love the whole soundtrack. To really, this. I don't think I've ever yeah. heard the whole soundtrack. Oh, you're you're missing some fun ones. Besides this and the uh, the boys are back in town. Whoever sings that one? Is that the oh the, cleaning up the town? Yeah, yeah, cleaning up the town. Yeah, that one. We'll, we'll get to hear that later in the in the podcast. Oh, well, <laughs> pardon <laughs> We're me. Getting a little ahead of ourselves. The breakdown. So I've always loved that little riff that starts this song, the <laughs> and it. I, I don't know why they threw it in there, but I don't know. It it's, just makes it fun and it's spooky. Yeah, there's like little spooky elements throughout the whole song. There's a, there's a laugh behind it too at the beginning. Right, right. You can hear that little electronic laugh as it's starting. <laughs> as it's starting. So this song to me has always been about the keyboards and the lead guitar. They. Uh, essentially match each other during the chorus and it's yeah. the guitar and it's the keyboards that are matching up and then during the verse though you get the bass line with the guitar and the keyboard plays off just the last two notes of that when they're doing the verse so it's it's not matching throughout and that's what i think makes the song so interesting too is just listening well, you got to listen to their headphones, like we've been telling you all season. But you get to hear if you if you just listen to the bass or just listen to the guitar and see what they do throughout the whole yeah. song. Yeah, it it's more than just what seems like an earworm when you hear it on the radio. But my favorite part is after the bridge. So you get that. Uh, I ain't afraid of no ghosts. I hear it likes the girls. You know, and he goes <laughs> through that, and you get back to the chorus real quick, and then you get. Ray screams, ow! <laughs> yes. You get this like creepy keyboard and harp sound part that there's, it's only in the uh, instrumental. They don't put it in the single part, but it's just like up and down harp sound with a creepy keyboard. And then you get that boom, boom, you know, with the drum machine and that like tambourine sound effect. That's what I really like. That part just kind of breaks the pattern for a little bit. And you yeah. get this different rhythm and at the same time, though, you get a great transition back into the song. That yeah, 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 and then you get right back into the chorus. Yeah. But I don't know. I just I love it when songs do that. Genesis is an, an, another group that really 
if you listen to like Land of Confusion, they have a, a just a, a a bridge or a, a part in the middle of the song that's totally unlike the rest of the, the song. Rest of it, right. And it just breaks it up a little bit there. And I love yeah. when songs do that. And that's how yeah. I feel about that part kind of in the middle there. So what do you like about the song? One of my favorite parts of the song that was at the very end as the song is fading out, you hear Ray Parker say, uh, it likes the girls too. Yeah. <laughs> I just always, I always thought that was a weird, but it's B, very, funny. very it's very, very faint, very yeah. faint. Um, but I like the, uh, I do like the, uh, the part you were talking about, the down, out, down, out, down, out, down, 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 that play every, mm-hmm. you know, in between every, every chorus and verse. I love that part. It's just, it's catchy. It's the part of the, it's part of the earworm. And what's stupid, you know, the whole, the whole lawsuit there with, with Huey Lewis. Yeah. The, the probably least interesting part of the song is that synth bass. Yeah. It's like the whole song. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it kind of sucks that they zeroed in on just that part because yeah. everything there's everything around it is so interesting to me. And yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't understand why they did that. I mean, it's it's kind of dumb. He, but yeah, but yeah. Now, but, I was gonna say I did find uh, there is an official extended dance mix of the song <laughs> "12 Inch" that was released. And it has a hundred percent more cowbell, and that's about it. <laughs> they they fool around with this dang oh cowbell at the beginning of the song, and it's doing like the the drum beat with this cowbell. Oh. I'm like, what in the world are y'all doing? Suddenly, there's too much cowbell. Yeah, and they use this weird echo effect on his voice, like during one part of the song, and it doesn't show up again. I'm like, this is not what. Who did this? You know. <laughs> Was it Eric on a Casio and a It was me. A cassette player. <laughs> yes. It was me recording it over and over again. <laughs> so just skip that. Keep I would oh. say what was so great about the 45 single was you had the the single version and then you on the flip side was the instrumental which added that other little harp part in the middle yeah. there. So I could just flip that thing and listen to it all day long. Oh, it was yeah. so great. Yeah, I remember uh, a friend of mine had that. That's when I first heard that uh, instrumental version. He turned. Uh-huh. I put. I thought I was putting on the song. Like I said, I, you know, we were we were playing records, and I thought I was putting on Ghostbusters. And I didn't look at the record close enough and yeah. put it on. And then I was waiting for the lyrics to come in. <laughs> didn't come in. It just never did. Yeah. I'm like, what? What is this? And that version too, you can really hear all the background and instruments and stuff. Oh yeah. If you just get rid of his vocal and listen to that, it's it's really fun to listen to the instrumental yeah one of, one of the few instrumentals you know that are just as good i think as the one with vocals all right so ghostbusters comes in at number two on our list for its overwhelming commercial success and being just one of the iconic songs of the 80s yep. bonus songs for this episode also come from the ghostbusters soundtrack now if you go over and just look at the uh like listing eric for the Ghostbusters soundtrack. Yeah. There's a Thompson Twins song on there. Uh, just really? some kind of random new wave artists that are on there as well. But the first one we're going to do is Cleaning Up the Town by the Bus Boys. Yes. I love this one. I love the piano work on this one. The, the lyrics, they uh, match the movie, tie into the movie. It's so great. I love Cleaning Up the Town. The second song is a song called Magic 
by Mick Smiley. That's a and great song. It's like a two-part song. So it starts as this ballad and then kicks in with this eerie groove, which is what's used when the ghosts start escaping from the roof of the firehouse. Yep. And he's saying please song. over and over again. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So that's that's going to be our second bonus song uh, from the soundtrack. I could I could put the whole soundtrack as our bonus. Go listen to the whole soundtrack <laughs> today, people. It's so much fun. But nice. I I love Ghostbusters, uh, the the full soundtrack. All right. So contest update. Coming into this episode, Gary had a two point lead, if you remember, and it remains at two as he and Tim both guessed Ghostbusters exactly at the number two position. Really. So, Gary now has 11 points, and Tim moves to 9. And Karen and Chad both gained a point. Karen had Ghostbusters at number 1. Good for you, Karen. And Chad had it at number 4 on his list. Hmm. So Chad jumps to 7 points, and Karen goes to 5. So we've got, uh, for the finale here, Tim will need to guess our number 1 pick exactly, and Gary will just need to miss it all together. So we have like a uh, co-winners. So we'll oh, see really, if that Gary can't lose here unless he just misses Gary it. can't lose unless he just whiffs and then we'll have to split the prize money with everybody. Right. <laughs> or with him and uh, Tim. Great. Otherwise, yeah, Gary just needs to have our number one pick somewhere on his list to win our contest outright. So wow. you guys will have to come back and see what happens. Uh, Spotify Premium, always the best way to listen to greatest lists because you get to hear more than just Eric and I talking. You get to hear the full song, the full featured song, which you've already heard Ghostbusters, and then the bonus songs coming up here in their entirety. Uh, if you listen outside of Spotify and want to connect with the music, use the Song Whip links in the show notes, which will allow you to click your way over to music apps like Apple, Amazon Music, YouTube, and more to uh, listen or download the songs. And then you can always stream episodes from your browser, greatestlistspodcast.com is our home base, or theretronetwork.com, also post episodes there. And tweet us your feedback. Tell us your uh, memories about Ghostbusters, if you have them, specifically this, uh, the song, at greatestlists on Twitter. And next time, Eric and I are back for our final regular episode of Season 1. Now, why it, it, while it might be Eric's turn to host, I think we're really in agreement for choosing the song as our number one. So we'll we'll co-host <laughs> the finale. How about that? <laughs> I'm just trying to weasel my way in just for more airtime. Just trying to weasel no. your way in there to talk some more. No, it, it's been a really fun journey, and we were yeah. both in agreement on the number one. True. So we've got a lot to bring you before we close out the season. So come back for the finale of season one of Greatest Lists. You've been listening to The Greatest Lists.